0: Amen, amen. Well, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, and uh, we love to sing the praise of Christ. That was awesome. Glad you guys were able to be here for this. Uh, Why don't you guys find your seats, and let's open our Bibles. We're going to continue to worship Him by listening to Him. And i got to tell you, I love Tailgate Sunday because that means you are well-fed, and uh, you will not be hungry, so this is the day that I get like an extra hour to preach, and nobody's going to complain about it, right? You cool with that? No. Uh, So, uh, we want to open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers are coming around. You can just get their attention. They'll just give you one. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, take that one with you. It's our gift to you. We love to study God's Word together. Uh, Or you can follow along with us on the Bible app. And we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, kind of at the end of uh, chapter 6 today. And we are continuing this series on pursuing the mission. I love this. Just getting back to the basics, and what God has called us to do, and and, and really getting fired up about this vision. Honestly, think think about this. What if we could just become a church that Jesus is pleased with? To know, like, the the vision of the future, that there's coming a day where we are going to hear these words, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I asked you to do. That's what's driving us. We want to be faithful to that and get after the mission, and so... um, with that in mind, how many of you are ready for the pop quiz? Anybody ready for the pop quiz? All right, I'll give you one more week, okay? I'm gonna give you one more week. This is, this is it. This is the last week to study, all right? We're cramming a little bit. It's not really a pop quiz if you know it's coming, is it? So next, we'll call it a final exam. Is that better? Does that, like, give you more anxiety if I say it that way? All right, so next week, I might test you on this, but I want us to get the mission statement down, all right? So let's put this on the screen. Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. All right, last chance. We're studying it together. Let's say it. Can you say it with me? Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. That's what drives us. And I think, honestly, if we're getting after that, God is gonna get glorified. So how do we do that? How do we pursue That mission. Well, we have six pursuits. Let me put these for you on the screen. This is uh, how we are pursuing uh, the mission. These are uh, things that we would say, these are kind of characteristics of what we want to be true about our church. And and, and we're not saying that we've arrived at these, but uh, these are things that we are pursuing that we're wanting to be uh, true of us here. And and we looked at the first one that we want to be about fervent prayer. We're pursuing that. Like We want to get on our knees. We're seeking the face of God, not just his hand, but we're seeking his face and and believing and expecting that God is going to answer prayer. We've got to be a praying church. We're going to pursue that. And then we saw bold preaching. Expect it. Every Sunday, we're going to open up our Bibles. We're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to depend on the Holy Spirit. We're going to make much of Christ because we want to be more like him. And what a sweet thing that we get to hear from him. And so we're going to be uh, pursuing bold preaching. And then passionate worship, and man, this is kind of the heartbeat of everything, that we want, we want We want to be a vertical church first, that we want to see the glory of Christ, we want to lift high the name of Jesus, but we want it to be true on the inside, not just something that we kind of go through the motions, we want to have hearts that are, that are really filled with joy and submissive before him, and, and worship Christ. And then last week we saw uh, that we want, we want to pursue purposeful disciple making, where we're, we're helping. Uh, believers who have received Christ walk uh, with Christ and, and grow in maturity. We make disciples. That's what we do. And, and so we want people to grow in maturity. Here's the flip side of that. This morning we're looking at courageous evangelism. Courageous evangelism. This is uh, really where we want mature believers. Like, we, we want to see people really growing, but mature believers who multiply, multiply. Right, this is kind of the flip side of making disciples, so somebody's got to become a disciple. So part of that is, is actually opening up our mouths and, and, and making more disciples by sharing the good news of Jesus with people who don't know him, so that they could hear him, so that they'll know what he's done for them, and they'll put their faith and their trust in him, and they'll believe and become disciples too. Now, we can't save anybody, but, but our job then in evangelism, I know that's kind of a, a churchy word, but I think it's a good one, we're... Telling people and sharing the good news of Jesus, we got to get after that. But I want to um, just be honest with you, and I think that you would probably feel this as well. Um, this is one of those pursuits that we're we're chasing after this, but we always feel like we're a little bit behind. You feel that? Okay, so when I was a kid growing up, I played soccer. I played a lot of soccer when I was a kid, and um, I even all the way up until my freshman year of high school. And uh, my problem was uh, when I got into high school, I was a puny, uh, tiny little kid. I mean, I, it's like uh, nobody was recruiting me uh, for the soccer team, or the, my mom was definitely not letting me play football. There was no chance of that. I was like five foot three. Uh, maybe a hundred pounds. I mean, I, I, and so here's the deal you know, the soccer is all about, uh, there's just a ton of running especially early on, uh, the first couple of days of practice, you don't even like touch a ball. We're just going to like run for a couple of hours, which is fantastic. And and, and I hate running to begin with, but here I am as a freshman coming into this, and now I've got all these big juniors and seniors that look like monsters. I look like a little first grader out there. And and so here we go running, and I'm just getting left behind. I'm getting left in the dust. They're like lapping me as, as we're going around. Like I feel miserable in this, feel way behind. I'm going to be honest, sometimes I feel like that when it comes to courageous evangelism. Like like we're, we're pursuing this, but we always feel like we're trying to like catch up, and we're nowhere closer to where we want to be, where we need to be. We we we, we know this this is something that we should be doing more often, but we end up kind of feeling guilty because we're not uh, doing it as much as we should, and 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 we kind of feel hopeless, and 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 at some point we almost even feel like maybe it's pointless for me to even keep trying because I'm so far behind. And, and I'm a pastor, so if if I feel that way, I'm guessing that a few of you probably do as well. But to be honest, I know that some of you are like way ahead of me on this one, and I, I praise God for that. But my goal today is not uh, to motivate you with, 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 with guilt or uh, with comparison in any way. I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to just like try to whip us back into shape. I, I want to encourage us with the gospel. I want to encourage us with God's patience with us, And God's grace to us—it's pretty sweet that um, we just know that even when we fail at this, even when we're behind, um, He's still coming alongside of us and encouraging us and picking us up off the pavement. And you know, when we we fell, and He dusts us off and gives us the strength to keep going. And and I know we may not be like outpacing the Apostle Paul at any point here, but. he still loves us and he still wants to use us. And what I want is that our, that our hearts, we would just be so in love with Jesus that we are compelled uh, to live sent right where we're at because we want others to love him too. Okay, so I want to encourage you with this. Now, let me give you the big idea that we're going to see in Ephesians chapter six. If you're taking notes, this is, this is the point that I think we have to get before we get practical about it, okay? Just know this. We have to depend on the Lord in order to be courageous in evangelism. I'm not, I'm not asking you to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and try a little harder. It's like, we've got, we need the Lord for this, okay? Let me show that to you. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, uh, I'm gonna start in verse 18. Verse 18, uh, Paul has been talking about putting on the whole armor of God, right? You know, this is kind of a, a familiar passage for many of us. And Then he comes to verse 18, here's what he says. um, want to use us and we just we, we, we humble ourselves before you and just recognize um, uh, and, and admit and confess that we're not always where we want to be. We know that this is what you've called us to do to make more disciples and, and that includes going out and sharing the gospel with those who don't know you yet and, and so Lord I pray that you would encourage us that, that you're going to be patient with us and you're going to empower us in that and I pray that we would be motivated by love for Christ. And I pray also that you would give us the, the same heart that, that you have, that you want everyone to be saved. And I pray that that would be on our hearts, that we would want to see the nations gathering before you in worship. And, and so, Lord, I pray that out of that that we would be motivated just to live sent wherever it is that you've placed us with the, uh, the people that are in our lives, the, uh, the ones that don't know you, the ones that have not put their faith and trust in you yet, maybe the ones that have never even heard of you. God, I pray that we would be motivated to go and, and to share this good news that there is a savior and his name is Jesus. And so we thank you for that. Thank you that we've been able to celebrate uh, what you've done in our lives personally. And I pray that that we would long uh, to see others have a similar story, have a testimony of how you've changed their lives. So I pray that you would speak to us. Thank you that your uh, spirit is present. I pray that you would fill us so that we would uh, respond to your word. And that you'd empower us to be faithful to this. And that you'd get the glory in all of this. Not for us, it's but to your name. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we gotta depend on the Lord, right? We have to depend on the Lord. But but here are, uh, I think I wanna give you three requirements. Three requirements for courageous evangelism. If this is going to happen, and and we've actually just done this, here's here's the first one. Uh, Evangelism requires fervent prayer. You'll notice that's actually our first pursuit. Man, we gotta be praying about this. And, and, and I know that these, these verses, honestly, these verses are really about prayer. And, and they're in the context of spiritual warfare. Paul's been telling us we gotta put on the armor of God, but, but, but it's what Paul's praying for specifically that help us connect it and give us some, some principles for uh, evangelism. So here's, here's how he tells us to pray. Uh, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit. It's not surprising that he would tell us At all times, because he says this elsewhere. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says that we're to be praying without ceasing. Like, don't stop. Colossians chapter 4, continue steadfastly in prayer. So there's an expectation for believers that that, that if we have a relationship with Christ, that this is a constant, ongoing, never-ending conversation that we have with the Lord. We're praying all the time. Do you have that kind of conversation with the Lord? Just because I say amen doesn't mean I'm done praying for the day. He says at all times. Do you, do you think that that includes um, when you roll out of bed in the morning, when you're driving in the car, when you're walking into work, you're going about your day, you're driving home from work, when you're uh, walking in the door, when you're making dinner, spending time with your family, getting ready for bed, you think it includes that? He says, it's all the time. I want you to be praying constantly before the, the Lord. And, and, and there's kind of a reason that we're doing this. There's, there, there's a little bit of an urgency here because he says, I want you to be praying with all prayer and supplication. Supplication, that word means urgent requests. So, so there's the fervency. There's, this, there's, there's kind of an urgency to what we're praying for. Why? why? Why are we praying with urgency? Well, it's because we need him. No matter what I'm doing, no matter what it is that I'm going about with my day, there's never going to be a time where it's like, okay, God, listen, listen, like I got this, I can, I, I can take it from here. It's not happening. Praying is a demonstration and kind of a reminder for me in acknowledging how much I need God. And if there's ever a time when we need God, it would be when we're in battle which is exactly what Paul's been saying. He's, he's trying to help us understand that the reality is we're in a war right now. Back in uh, verse 12, if you look up there, verse 12, he's saying we're wrestling uh, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil. So we're in the midst of spiritual warfare right now, which means we always have to be ready for Satan to attack us. Man, we got to be ready, which is why he then says in in verse 18, to that end, Paul says, keep alert with all perseverance. Keep alert. And think about this. We are uh, disciples, and disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We're making disciples of all nations to the glory of God. But we have an enemy who doesn't like that, who doesn't want that, and is going to do everything that he can to attack us, to keep us from advancing the gospel. That's the last thing that he wants. And so Paul says, keep alert, otherwise stay awake. And I had to, I was thinking about my son, uh, Javen. And, and, and many of my kids have done this, but for whatever reason, this kid seems to do this kind of frequently. Uh, where he, I mean, he's all boy, so he plays hard, and, and sometimes he'll skip his nap. And, and so by the time we make it to dinner, uh, midway through dinner, he's... Uh, you know, kind of fading. You can just see it. And like all of a sudden, like we're trying to, you know, put bites in his mouth at some point because we can tell like the eyes start crossing. His head starts kind of like rolling back like this. You can just see it. Like he puts his hands on the table, starts going down. We're like, Come on, stay, stay awake, buddy. We're trying to, trying to get some food in. That's what Paul is saying right here. Stay awake. Now's not the time to sleep. We're in the middle of a battle. We need to be Ready. We need to be ready, and I know that Paul has the mission in mind because when he was going through the armor of God, and I, we're not going to have time to go through all the pieces of the armor of God, but back in verse fifteen, uh, he said, uh, "This is for your shoes." Okay, so thinking about your feet, he says, "As for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace." So we're to be ready to move our feet to advance the gospel. We're not kicking back in our bunny slippers. I got my shoes. I got my. I got my cleats on. I'm ready to go because we're ready. Think about this: the the the, the armor of God was really uh, our our defense so that we could stand against the schemes of the devil. And so we don't normally think about you know feet that are ready to move. That that, that feels like we're 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 you know prepared to kind of fight. But uh, I love how uh, John Piper said it this way: a, a ready offense is an essential part of a successful defense. Okay, so we're we're ready to go. We're ready to share the gospel because we're in the middle of a battle knowing the attack is coming. Satan does not want that, and so we've got to stay ready. And the way that we do that, he's saying, is through fervent prayer. That we're praying at all times, prayer and supplication. Then he says, Uh, this is interesting, making supplication for all the saints. So that's kind of an encouragement to you, that that when you're praying, you're not just praying for yourself. We're praying for all believers because we're in this together. We've got a mission to carry on, and we're in battle, but we're doing it together. So I I, I just want to ask you that. Are you specifically praying for other people besides yourself? the people that are on your list that you're regularly uh, bringing before the Lord? Maybe, um, you know, maybe the thinking of um, people in your family or in your friends or your, your, you know, your small group or whoever it might be. Are you praying? Think about this. Are you praying that they would live sent right where God has them and right where he's placed them to advance the gospel? Are you praying for that? Because I think that um, I, I hope that you're regularly praying for other people besides yourself, but if we're going to be a church that's really pursuing courageous evangelism, then I think our prayers have to be for more than just their health and safety. Are we praying with the, 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 the mission in mind and the battle in mind, saying, Lord, I, I Help them today as they're going into battle. I know that they they may face some things. I pray that you'd help them to just stand firm. I pray that you'd help them to be ready. I pray that you'd help them to live sent right where they're at. Are we praying that way? Paul says, I want you to be praying at all times in the spirit. In the spirit. Here's some encouragement for us. Because sometimes um, we might not know what to say. We start praying and we've got them on the list and 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 I don't really know what I'm supposed to be praying about. And so we end up just kind of saying the same words that we say over and over. And, 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 well, here's here's some encouragement. I've got this for you on the screen. This is Romans chapter 8. We're to be praying in the Spirit. And here's the promise that he tells us. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Isn't that awesome? God's gonna help you in that. So Lord, I don't even know what to pray for, but you do. We're praying with the mission in mind. Look look, look at specifically what? Paul asks them to pray for him. Verse 19. you see it there? So we 're praying for all the saints, but verse 19 he says this, "And pray for me, and here 's what he asks for, Pray for me that words may be given to me." Now I just find that kind of funny, because Paul is a talker. you know that? Okay, so one time, Acts chapter 20, this is my little brother's favorite Bible verse, uh, Bible story when he was growing up. Uh, In Acts chapter 20, Paul spent an entire week with the people at Troas. And then he was going to be leaving, he was going to be catching a boat in the morning, but he stayed up till like midnight talking with the believers, and he's talking so long that, that you got to picture this, there's this one dude who's sitting there in the windowsill, okay, you see where this is going, and he's standing in the window, and Paul's just talking on and on, and he starts doing that Javen thing, right, his head's kind of like rolling back, like he just keeps talking, literally he falls asleep, falls out of the window from the third story, and dies. But Paul is like, hey, guys, don't worry about it. He raises him back to life, and then the text says, he kept talking till morning. So that guy (laughs) that he would say, hey, here's my prayer request. I pray that words would be given to me. I kind of find that hilarious. Paul knows how to talk and we're talking about the guy that knows the gospel inside and out. So, so, so why is his prayer request that God would give him the words to speak? I think it's because Paul knows that he is always completely dependent on the Lord for the words to say. He's not winging it. He's not doing it in his own wisdom, in his own powers. And if that guy recognizes his need, be encouraged, okay? If, if the greatest evangelist the world has ever seen, apart from Jesus Christ, needed help, right? Man, we are so dependent on the Lord in order to be courageous in evangelism. So are you praying about that? Are you praying about sharing the gospel? Are you, are, do, you have, do you have names of people that are not believers that you are regularly spending time uh, going before the Lord and saying, God, would you bring them to Christ? And not just like send somebody else, but Lord, send me and, and help me, give me the words to say. Help me know how to turn the conversation there and, 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 and know what to say and, and, and the answers when they, when they have questions. And God, I pray that you would just do that. Listen, we need God. And I am convinced that evangelism is not going to happen if we're not praying That leads us to our our second requirement. Note this. Uh, Evangelism requires boldness in opening our mouths. Boldness in opening our mouths. You see that in verse 19. He says, I pray that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Now, I want you to remember that Paul is saying this while he's in prison. So notice what Paul does not pray for. Notice that he doesn't ask them to pray for his release from prison. He's not asking for his freedom. Because Paul's, his own comfort and his own convenience and his own circumstances are not his greatest concern. He is so consumed with the glory of Christ and the mission that God has given him that he starts to see his circumstances in light of the mission. So he's not saying, guys, please pray that I get out of here. No, he's saying, Help God, pray that God helps me be bold and talk about him even while I'm in here. Do you, do you see your circumstances in light of the mission? And think about the things that you've been praying about the last couple of weeks, the, the things that have just consistently been on your mind as you've been talking to God. Think about your prayer requests. Have, have most of your prayer requests been you know, asking God to kind of alleviate hardships or um, inconveniences or or to kind of um, change or improve the situation that you're in? Or are you praying that God would help you use this moment right now, wherever you're at and the challenges that you're facing, to bring him glory and to make more disciples for him through this, through the circumstances that you're finding yourself in? You pray with the mission in mind. See, that's why Paul's not asking that, that, that they would have a, uh, he would have a hedge of protection around him or that he would have like, some miraculous escape from prison. That's not what he's praying for. He's praying for boldness in opening up his mouth. Man, when I open up my mouth, I want to speak boldly. That's that's a willingness to speak, even if it involves risk or danger. And that's how we saw the gospel just explode across the world in the New Testament. In fact, we see this word show up multiple times, especially in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, we see Peter and John. Peter and John are out there, and and they're preaching the gospel, and they're talking about Jesus, and the Jews are not happy about that. And so they arrest them. And they don't know what to do with them. They're not ready to put them to death yet. They're kind of fearing the crowds or whatever. And so they, you know, they, they tell them, don't, tell, don't talk about Jesus anymore. So they start warning them. And Peter and John are realizing they're serious. Like, there could be consequences if we just keep talking about Jesus. And they finally let them go. And it says that Peter and John gathered with the rest of the church, and they started praying. And I, I want you to see what they were praying for. I've got it for you on the screen. Here's Acts chapter 4, okay? We're in danger if we keep talking about Jesus, but here's what they pray for. Oh now, now Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Man, I love that. They, they know that it might cost them. They, they, they know that there might be consequences here, but they're courageous and asking God to help them keep speaking boldly no matter what. And they're following the example of Jesus because this is what Jesus did. In fact, the, the word is actually used of Christ And the night he was betrayed, and the Jewish religious leaders are questioning him, John chapter 18 says that Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. Same word. I've spoken boldly. I have spoken openly to the world. So evangelism requires... Boldness, and, and, and we as disciples, we speak boldly, we speak openly with no fear because that's how Jesus taught us. When he says, verse 19, I want to be opening my mouth boldly. That literally means that we have to open our mouths. And for some of us, it takes a lot of courage just to do that. And I know... You love Jesus, and I know that you would be fired up if your coworker if your friend or you know they, whoever it is in your life that you, know, you would love to see them come to Christ, and you, you want that and, and you would love for God to use you, but let 's be honest, a lot of times we're like in that in that moment you know that moment where you you, you could start talking about Jesus and you, and you, and you kind of want to, but then it just feels awkward and, and you feel unsure about how do I turn the conversation to that, and, and, and what if they have questions, and what am I going to say after that, and uh, how do I lead with this, and then what do I, how do I respond, and what if they don't like it, and what if they don't want to, you know, they, they, they reject this, and they don't want to talk to me about it, and all of that, and so, so uh, we kind of just let it go. We don't say anything. I'm guessing that every single one of us in this room have had moments like that that we've just let slip by, Yes? Here's what I think we need to remember. It's not enough to simply live like Jesus in front of them. We've heard this phrase, and I I know you've heard it. It's this uh, famous saying that we need to preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. We're preaching the gospel by the... Way we live. And, and I realize that, that I, I, I kind of understand what some people might mean by that, but that's not an excuse for not talking. And we can't soothe our guilty conscience for disobeying Jesus' command here by just saying, well, I'm just living it out in front of them, man. I think, I, I think the way that we live our lives ought to be a compelling introduction and apologetic for the gospel, but people are never gonna come to understand in this lifetime the horror of their separation from their holy creator or the glorious news that Jesus came to save them apart from hearing about it. Somebody's gotta bring the news, which means we have to open our mouths. In, in, in theology, this is, Uh, What we talk about, the the distinction between um, general revelation and special revelation. There's general revelation and then there's special revelation. General uh, revelation is stuff that God's made known to everybody. God has to reveal himself to us. But did you know that you don't actually have to tell somebody that there is a God in order for them to know that? You don't. Someone could be stranded on an island with no Bible and they could know that because God has already made that known to all people. That's general revelation. And the main way that he does that is through creation. Psalm chapter 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. I mean, just walk outside, you're gonna see Beauty and order and design and everything that has been been made is, is declaring and crying out to us, testifying, there's a creator who made this. So God has made himself known to all people in general. That's how he does that. But special revelation, special revelation is the means by which God communicates specific information to specific people. Things that can't be understood by general revelation alone. Like, you can know that there is a God, and you might even be able to know some things about his, uh, his character, but unless God specifically told you, you would never know his holiness and the problem of your sin, and you would also never know his plan to rescue you and to save you by sending his son Jesus and the call to believe in Christ. And so for us, the, the, the ultimate source of special revelation is what? Okay, so I was kind of hoping that Fairfax Bible Church was going to get this answer. So the ultimate source of special revelation for us is the Bible. Isn't that awesome? What a special book that we have. These are the words of God to us so that we can know him, so that we can trust in Jesus and receive his grace instead of judgment. We can live with him forever. And if you didn't know the message of the Bible, then you wouldn't know that. And you would miss out on the good news that could save you. You see where I'm going with this, right? So it means that unless someone has the courage to open their mouths and share this news, this message with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, they'll never know. And if we try to comfort ourselves with the excuse that we're just, you know, we're living it out in front of them, then they're probably just going to end up thinking, "Man, I'm really glad I have nice neighbors," while they're on their way to hell. Now I, i been thinking about this, and 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 I've told you I'm, I'm so encouraged and, and I'm learning from some of you I'm so thankful that you take this requirement for evangelism seriously and that you've been faithfully opening your mouths and telling the people that God has put in your life about Jesus this is what it means for us to get after the mission with a heart to see other people come to know him and love him And we've got to be opening our mouths to tell people. But what do we say? What what do we say when we open our mouths? Well, look at verse 19. Here's what he says. Uh, Opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So we're just telling people the gospel. We've got to tell them the bad news. The bad news is that we are sinners and we deserve God's judgment. We're separated from him. But then we get to tell them the good news. That, that God sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross so that because of what he's accomplished, we could be forgiven. And we could have grace and we could be saved instead. So we call people to believe in him and trust in him and what he's done for them. It's not about what you do. You can't do enough good works. It's what he's done for you. Now Paul um, had a specific assignment. He was charged with taking this message to the Gentiles uh, because at that time that was kind of crazy, okay? And and Paul was given this task uh, of helping people understand it's not just for the Jews. This is for everyone. In fact, this has always been God's plan that he would send his son Jesus to be the savior of the whole world and that Jews and Gentiles are, are reconciled in Christ. And then And Paul is taking this around the world, and he ends up standing trial before kings and and, and governors. And I love just just even there, he's so bold just to share the gospel and try to help them understand their need uh, for Christ. And, And it's not, this is so important that we get this, it's not guilt that motivated Paul. And it's not guilt that motivates us. But it's the gospel of the glory of Christ that motivates us to courageous evangelism. Because the more we appreciate what Jesus has done for us and the grace and the mercy that we receive that we would never understand, we would never deserve that, the more we grow in our awe of him, the more we grow in our love for him and our desire that he would be worshiped and that he would get the glory that he is deserving of. And so we want other people to come to know and to love him too. And we want every knee to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's his glory. It's vertical worship that propels the horizontal advancement of the mission if we're going to do that we've got to boldly open our mouths to help people understand our God is awesome our God is glorious and you can know him but here is the third requirement, let's end with this in verse 20 Uh, evangelism requires a willingness to suffer he says I want to open my mouth boldly Proclaim the mystery of the gospel, verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains. I love that word, ambassador. It means, obviously, an authorized representative of one sovereign ruler or nation to another. And Paul understands that he represents Christ. We represent Jesus. Remember, Paul's sitting in a prison cell, though. And so we actually think about that. he says, "An ambassador in chains. That's a crazy picture. Because that's not how you treat ambassadors. those are representatives of somebody else. I mean you're supposed to treat them with respect. Just, just imagine if we didn't treat them with respect. And here in the United States, we took an ambassador from another country and we handcuffed them and threw him in jail. What's going to happen? So, you don't need a degree in political science to realize that's not a good idea. Unless you're really trying to start a. Right. So, that's his point. We're already at war. That's why he's in chains. This is the context of of spiritual warfare that he's been talking about. So, Paul's trying to help us understand guys, we got to expect opposition. Like, it's coming. We have an enemy who would love for us to keep our feet planted in one place, not moving forward, not going to take the gospel to those who have never heard it, and then he wants to knock us down and keep our mouths shut so that we won't open up and start telling people this good news. So let's just be honest with ourselves. One of the reasons that we find evangelism so hard is because we're under spiritual attack. Like Satan knows, like honestly, the the, the biggest problem is what's going on in our hearts, That in my heart, I'm given to to fear and thinking about myself first. And so, like, like, that's just the propensity of my heart. God's got to do a work in changing me. But Satan kind of takes advantage of that and comes in and plays on some of those fears and gets us to just stay silent and not move forward and try to take the gospel there. And then there's the possibility that if I do start talking about Jesus, there are going to be consequences if you do that people aren't going to like it and they're not going to like you for saying it and yes they might try to hurt you they might try to make your life difficult but that's why Pauls praying for boldness even in the face of that because we want a, a willingness to suffer knowing that Jesus is worth it but here's the promise that he gives us and and I want to show this to you and I I want to end with this. This is such an awesome promise. We, we know this. Uh, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, it's such an encouragement for us as we're trying to see our church. We want to see our church grow. We want to see more people come into Christ. Here's the promise that Jesus gives us. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we're holding on to that promise that he is gonna be with us no matter how hard it gets and he's gonna give us the words to speak as we're trying to talk about Jesus this week and he's gonna save, he's gonna do the work, he is gonna build his church and nothing can stop it and we're gonna see him get the victory. He wins. Praise God. And so we just wanna be faithful to living sent. Just remember, God has sent you right where you're at that you would make him known to the people that, maybe it's in your home, maybe it's in your workplace, maybe it's in your neighborhood, he sent you there. Let's be faithful to that. Father, I thank you so much that you love us. I thank you for your grace and your mercy to us. thank you that you're patient with us even when we struggle with this. We don't always get this right. Sometimes we give up and give in to fear. Pray that you forgive us of for that, thank you that you love us thank you that you pick us back up and that you're willing to dust us off and and keep encouraging us and motivating us with with the gospel and that worship would propel us forward I'm thankful for that Lord and I just want to say right now nobody's looking around we're just we're spending time with God right now but if if you are hearing this and you realize that you've never put your faith in Jesus to save you. It means this, you're a sinner and you deserve judgment. But God sent his son Jesus to die for you so that you could be forgiven. If you want to believe that, then I just encourage you right where you're at, you don't have to to pray it out loud, but just in the quietness of your heart, just talk to God tell him, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I deserve judgment. I get that. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me. Please save me. And the good news is he will. We're praying that God is going to continue to make more disciples that are growing in maturity and in multiplication. He gets the glory for that. Father, I ask that you would help us to make much of Christ and hold on to these promises that you are building your church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so, Lord, we claim the victory. We wanna walk in victory and celebrate that. Lord, we wanna make the name of Jesus famous here in Fairfax and around the world, making disciples of all nations. Lord, you're a good God. You're a holy God. You're a loving and patient and gracious and merciful God. I pray that we worship you and delight in you now. It's in Jesus' name I pray.